Hello, it's Andrew Lang, and welcome to Content 12. We're up to episode 6 at this point, and we are going to get back to the people. Last time, we talked about leading leaders and speaking to leaders, and hopefully that episode found you well. So now we're going to get it back to the people, and I want to talk about a story that hopefully has the ability to, to tackle two different obstacles that you might face. One of them is the latest and greatest technology. We need it. we got to have it. Our people love it. It's cool. And uh, it, it obviously, uh, the, the better technology you have, especially nowadays, the more productive you can be. But sometimes you don't have the money to go get the latest and greatest. Sometimes you got to deal with what you have. You need to, to <clears throat> deal with the old monitors that you have or the antiquated voicemail system that you have because you just don't have the money. It's wrapped up in other things. And sometimes our people get bummed out about that. You might hear some complaining at the water cooler. So this is one of those things. This story might be able to cure that ill. And the other one is uh, to take a chance. Sometimes our folks, ourselves, but our folks get caught in a rut. And this is just the way we do it. I'm not thinking outside the box. I'm not going to take a chance. I'm not going to bring up a new idea at a meeting because I might get laughed at. So hopefully this story can cure both of those if you're having them or one of those if you're having them. And so this is something that you're probably talking about getting the whole company together. This is change behavior, get some confidence in some folks, instill some confidence. And so you're going to get the whole company together. Maybe that's 20, maybe that's 50, maybe that's 100, maybe it's 600 people. I told this story for the 600 people uh, probably, man, 12 years ago. And I still think it rings true today. So we're going to talk about Budweiser. That's right. Budweiser, the king of beers, as you know him. And Budweiser was founded in the 1800s. And... Uh, they were doing their thing, and by the time Prohibition hit in the 1930s, uh, it froze people up. Obviously, that's difficult to sell beer when it's illegal, or alcohol when it's illegal. So there were probably five to 10,000 breweries operating in the United States at that time, but Budweiser being one of them. And so, uh, you know, you had some competition, and then uh, Prohibition hit, and you had a lot of lobbying and, and trying to get information as when is this going when are we going back online with being able to sell alcohol again? Our online probably wasn't turned back in the 30s. But when, when can we sell it again? So finally, um, you know, Budweiser was dialed in. They, they had ears to the streets and, and they, they knew this was coming. By 33, they knew it was going to be lifted. And so they bought a huge facility out in Utah and they got ready. They were going to be prepared. They were going to be the one, one of the front runners. And so by the time Prohibition lifted, we're talking about less than 10 breweries. So you're talking about five to 10,000, now we're down to less than 10. And so the competition was scarce, but still fierce, and everybody was fighting for that market share, and they wanted to be the ones that were gonna maybe be the king of beers one day, heaven forbid, right? So uh, it was, you know, easy, uh, slow going, and, and one of the biggest challenges as people began to transport beer and um, deliver it from one side of the country to another, everything was in bottles. And bottles, it's funny, bottles were expensive even back then. You're talking maybe 25 cents a bottle. And so they would fill their bottles up with beer, send them, put them on the train, send them across the country. And what would happen? A quarter of them would break just by shaking around in the boxes. And by the time they got their destination, you got 75% of your product. So that was difficult. And so in the couple years after Prohibition, uh, people were trying to figure it out, trying to learn it. And, um, and so 
Budweiser took a shot. There was something floating around us um, right in front of our faces. And um, Budweiser was the one to pick it up and grab it, everybody. And so <clears throat> they, they saw the tin can. They saw the tin can that fed the soldiers. That was the only way they could be fed because it kept the food as they were fighting in the war. And so they were thinking like, hey, we're not just going to kick this can and play a game with it. We're going we're gonna to use this as the way we deliver and market beer. And listen, the bottles, when, when they would get across cross country in the bottle, somebody just slap a label on it and call it their own, be Fred's beer. And so you can even get marketing dollars out of it or marketing uh, impact from it. And so Budweiser says, you know what, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this. We're going to put our beer in cans. And I'm telling you folks, they were crucified teased, um, made fun of in all senses of the way. Talked about your entire operation is going to fail. It'll taste horrible. You cannot do that. And so they did it anyway, probably with some uh, couple heated meetings here and there. And should we do this? And should we do this? But they stuck to their guns. They ran with their idea. And guess what? You pack a bunch of, you pack your beer in a bunch of cans and ship them across the United States and they don't break. You got probably 95% of your product. And so uh, you're way ahead of the game at that point. It's tougher to put a label on a can because you can print your label right on there. And so now people even know about Budweiser that maybe didn't know about it before because you can't put Fred's beer on it. And even more than that, by the time World War II started in 39, Guess what they did? That's right, they shipped it to Germany. Shipped it to the American soldiers to make sure they had a cold one in their hands. And even the German soldiers got a hold of it. And so everybody in the world now knew who Budweiser was. And that's the way that they cornered the market because nobody else wanted to use the tin can that was sitting right in front of us. Right in front of our eyes, it was used. We, but only one company was smart enough and aware enough and took a chance enough to be able to take this and make it something. So I tell you everybody that story today because listen, I would love to say that we can get the latest and greatest, the newest technology to help you do your job, but sometimes we have our money wrapped up in other things to be able to put it back into the community or back into our business and, uh, and build from there. So I need everybody here to understand I'm not keeping the antiquated voicemail system because I want to make it difficult for you. But I know we can still function at a high level with this system. I need you to allow us to put our money into other ventures so that we can catapult the company. And maybe we don't have the, the latest and greatest uh, um, software, but we can still sell. We can still do our job at a high level even though it's not the coolest technology. There'll be a time when we jump on the newest technology and we'll pass everybody because we took it, we allowed our money to be put into R&D and investing in other opportunities and we'll blow past everybody. I just need everybody to understand we need to operate like this for a while, but the vision is a, a, a plentiful one. Or maybe it's you're, you're addressing the chance part. People will take a chance and say, listen, I've been working with this group 
for years. And we just haven't come up with the new idea. And there's stuff right in front of us. There's, there's opportunity right in front of us. And I need all of us to dig deep and think outside the box and not just do it the way it is because that's the way it is. I need everybody to get their heads thinking about different things and different opportunities because the answer to our success is right here in front of us. We don't have to go out and find the newest and greatest. It's right here in front of us. I know it is. Just like the Budweiser story. They took a chance and everybody was going to ridicule them. So we have that opportunity right now, right in front of us. And listen, at the end of the day, guess what happened? Budweiser became the king of beers. You know it, and I know it that way today. And their company is bigger than alcohol at this point. It's more than that. It's a marketing company. And they, they employ thousands and thousands of people across the United States, maybe more than that, and their families and their children. For decades, it will be taken care of because they took a chance. They didn't worry about what they didn't have. They focused on what they did have. So that's what I need this group to do in order for us to take the next steps. So that's how I would run that. And it's a powerful story. It's a true story. And... Um, and that's one of the reasons that Budweiser is what they are today. They've been able to stand the test of time, get out in front after Prohibition started, and they did things that other people wouldn't do, would laugh at them. So that's a lesson or the message today. I'm sorry, I'm not a teacher. It's not a lesson. That's the message today. And, and I guess so, so let's, let's talk about a tip. A, a leader of mine once told me, I've been a leader for a while. But the leader that uh, told me this and it changed my life forever. I mean, maybe that sounds corny. It affected me in a positive way and I, I still remember to this day. He told me the power of belief is the largest and biggest gift that you can give anybody, any of your people. And I tell you, you know, we're, we're focused on accountability at times and making sure people come in on time and do the right things and and those are important things and they have to be part of the backbone of what makes any great company but i tell you right now we do not spend enough time believing people and telling people that we believe in them most of the people that work for you they just want you to believe in them and if you do the return on your investment by just saying that and speaking that and walking around the office like that when's the last time you, you knew somebody had a challenge. You gave them the challenge. And you wanted to see how they were going were gonna to function. And it was going to be difficult for them. And their eyes got big when you gave them the job. But before you left the room, you told them, listen, Sally, I just want you to know that I know this is a tough assignment. There's nobody in, in this company that I believe in more to be able to tackle this. I know you can get this done. I know it's not gonna make or break it, but man, oh man, it sure starts you on a good path. So spend some time believing in people and letting them know that you believe in them. And man, oh man, uh, yeah, we can hold people accountable and we can make sure they punch their time card right. But spend some time letting people know you believe in them and you will be, you will be happy uh, with the value that creates. Thank you for your time. Make sure you get up in front of your people until we meet again.